This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, welcome to what we're calling the Evan Brooklyn Basketball Podcast. Yeah, I think that's what it's called. Either way, here's the deal. When I've been doing the Evan Roberts podcast for the last three years, it's mostly been about pro wrestling, little Brooklyn Nets, maybe an instant reaction to a Met game, maybe some long form discussion about the Yankees or the Jets or whatever it's been. Now we are taking the Brooklyn Nets and kind of giving them their own area, their own zone, if you will. So if you don't give a crap about the Nets, then you don't have to subscribe to this podcast. If you do care about the Nets, and maybe that's all you care about, and you don't want to hear me pontificate about WrestleMania, then that's great. Then you've got this podcast. So for this time only, for this edition, you can download it in the Evan Roberts podcast, and you can download it in the Evan Brooklyn basketball podcast, but from here forward, it will be an exclusive Brooklyn basketball podcast. I don't know if any of that crap makes sense, but it doesn't matter. The point is I'm Evan Roberts, Mike Baseglia, who hosts like 37 podcasts and much <laughs> like me as a sick, demented Brooklyn net fan will be with me most of the time. Let's cut the crap. Let's cut the pleasantries. Uh, we're going to start off by talking a little bit about the game that we are reacting to and a few of the other things affecting the Nets over the last few days. And we're recording this right after the Nets just got walloped by the Philadelphia 76ers. And here's the truth. Did you expect anything different tonight? No, not at all. You could not expect them to have any chance tonight. No Kyrie, no Kevin Durant. And they were exposed in the second half. And you just felt at some point that little surge was going to come. At the end of the second quarter, they took a little nice lead. They are playing well. And then the third quarter, whatever the timing was, eight, nine minutes into the quarter, it just hit. The barrage hit. It was tied 79-79, blink of an eye, 76ers up 15. You know, there was just a, it just was going to come. It was right after Danny Green didn't get a three-point uh, foul call that he wanted. And from that point on, the 76ers went on cruise control, and it wasn't close. Listen, there is one specific person who brought upon the hells of this basketball game. And that was Tyler Johnson. And I don't mean to just pick on Tyler Johnson. I understand Tyler Johnson is mostly irrelevant and will probably not even be on this roster after the buyout market period is over. But this was a tie game with about five minutes to go in the third quarter. And overall, they had played well. You know, James Harden was the ultimate playmaker. Uh, Landry Shamit was hitting shots. Joe Harris was playing well. 
Uh, TLC was playing quality basketball. Even Norvell Pell, when he got in the game, mm -hmm. played well. And when Steve Nash subbed out TLC for Tyler Johnson at about the five minute mark of the oh. third quarter, that was when Philly went on a 14 0 run. And I'm I'm not even being a sarcastic dick. I'm being serious. The missed defensive assignments from Tyler Johnson was just unbelievable. And I know this team overall sucks defensively. I get it. Maybe it's not fair to pick on one guy, but that three minute stretch. And that really was the game. Like you said, I mean, before that, they were in it. That three minute stretch was the entire basketball game. I would say it was about 80 percent on Tyler Johnson who absolutely sucked. And then this head coach wouldn't take him out of the game. It was almost like, all right, Tyler Johnson lit the game on fire. Let's keep him in for the rest of the night. But that's essentially what happened with about five minutes to go in the third quarter. It's remarkable to think like Tyler Johnson. And you, I don't remember the exact details, but what, what kind of contract did he get initially that Phoenix gave him? Right. <laughs> Wasn't it like how much money? And I think I don't, I didn't watch every second of him four or five years ago, but I'm like, how the hell? Did somebody offer him that kind of contract after what we witnessed tonight? I know he was better in the bubble and he can make jumpers when he's open. And, you know, he you can't rely on him to be the sole guy. And obviously defensively, he was a disaster. But you touched upon something with Nash not making the switch with um, taking Johnson out of the game. But something else I thought about was interesting was at the end, the very end, like literally the very end of the third quarter, when Jeff Green was just clearly pissed and in a bad mood and not happy with the way things were going, took the inbound ball and just, basically just oh. chucked it in the middle of the court. It was like, oh. hey, who wants the basketball? And, you know, and Bede got it. And it was just, even though they only scored a point on the free throw, it was like, you can't just let that happen. And at that, that point, I was like, there's no accountability from the coaching staff when somebody does something incorrectly. Like, I would think if Tom Thibodeau was the head coach of the Knicks and Alfred Payton made that pass, he'd go to him and chew his ear out and say, we don't do this. But there's no accountability with this team. It's almost as if we're veterans. We know what the right thing is and when the right time is. And that, I don't know. There's something weird about that that irked me. I like Jeff Green. He's clearly been a solid addition to this team. He's made open jumpers. He's done a decent job. He's played the five. He's done okay in that spot. But you just to throw the ball away with that and then nobody says anything. I was like, what? There has to be consequences for making shitty plays like that. I don't know. It was weird to me. Well, no, I, I know why it bothers you. It bothers you because it happens a lot. I mean, I oh. think DeAndre Jordan at times has these kind of lazy, sloppy turnovers. And I noticed that on the Friday night game uh, against the Toronto Raptors. And I think a lot of their turnovers tend to be lazy. And that is unacceptable. And you're right. I mean, I thought, look, when the Sixers went on the 13-0 run, it effectively ended the game. But... You know, the, the Nets could at least make a run to get back into it. And at the end of the third quarter, you're 100% right, because I think they had caught it to about 12. Mm -hmm. And the Sixers got a bucket. And then you throw in the sloppiness of Jeff Green, in which he was frustrated. And basically, you've got something that, hey, you know what? It's a 10-point game. It's a 12-point game. All right. You know, they're probably dead, but you never know. And you just made it uglier and stuff like that's unacceptable. I think the truth is the the guys who hold each other accountable are the guys and it's not the coaching staff. Right. You know, I think that's where you're going to see it. So if Kevin Durant was on the floor, 
we'll get to him in a little bit. I think KD and, you know, obviously Durant and Jeff Green are very close. I think Durant would probably say something to him, or at least you'd hope. But I think that's where the accountability comes from. It's coming from teammates. It's certainly not coming from Steve Nash, who, look, the more I watch him, he's completely useless. And let's just call it like it is. He is absolutely useless. His feel for the game is awful when it comes to rotations and substitutions. There are times in which, at least I say to myself, bro, can you give KD a blow? Can you give Kyrie a blow? Can you give these guys a rest? And then a night like tonight, I got to tell you, it kind of pissed me off that he gave up on the game. I understand James Harden played big minutes. I understand James Harden played the entire third quarter, but they weren't down by 25. They were down by 12 with about five minutes to go. You're telling me with a top five player in the league who we know how well he can play, you don't want to at least give it a shot. You're not playing for a few days. I mean, you've got two days off. Like, I'm not asking for James Harden to play 47 minutes, but you don't want to reinsert him at the six and a half minute mark and say, all right, let's just give it three or four minutes and see if this all world player can lead some kind of run. Instead, Steve Nash quit is essentially what happened. Well, it was the idea that because there's no Kyrie, there's no Durant tonight. He said, we're not going to win this game. We don't have a chance. And he didn't believe in they have James Harden. Else. Dude, they have James didn't, didn't Harden. Him. Didn't matter. I, I, I agree. I wish he was in there. I would love to have seen it. But it was, hey, we don't have Kyrie. We don't have KD. I've I've played a million seasons. It's a 72-game season this year. We're at game whatever this is, 26, 27, whatever the number is, 25. We're going to lose. This is the games you lose in the NBA. It's the second of a back-to-back. We're going to, into Philly. We don't have our two best players. Why even deal with it? Let's not do it. And the, to the first part, the rotation stuff, I've been shocked. And we, I, I think I talked to you a little bit earlier on your pod, your other podcast about this, like the minutes thing. I have been, maybe I'm conditioned from the previous nets, but the, the amount of minutes that these guys are are getting has been stunning to me. And I don't, I don't, I don't like this rotation. When Durant plays the entire third quarter, now that didn't happen in the other game versus Toronto because that was a hellhole. But the, <laughs> when he plays the entire third quarter. I don't like that. And then he's out to start the fourth. There's something weird about it. Like, I I feel like you take him out with seven, eight minutes and then bridge him earlier in the fourth. I'm not a big fan of this play. The whole third quarter thing It's strange. No, I agree with you. I thought even in the Clipper game, I'll use that game as an example. He has done an odd job of trying to steal a few rest minutes for Kevin Durant. Like to me, seven minute mark. You know, not yeah. seven minute mark, seven minutes into the first quarter of a game. Yeah. Get KD out. Give him a blow. Uh, I agree with you about the third quarter. Same thing. I mean, the Clipper game, he played the entire third quarter. He lets him sit to start the fourth quarter. And by the nine minute mark, he's back in the game. That's how Kevin Durant's playing 39, 40 minutes a night. And, right. and the thing that bothers me is it's so inconsistent. Like what I'm saying about this game against Philadelphia is yeah, you're without Irving. Yeah, you're without Durant. You still have James Harden. You still have a shot, right? Try to win the basketball game. Not asking for 48 minutes, but try to win the basketball game. And yet on these other nights, yes, the three guys are playing. But when you have the three guys playing, it's probably easier to steal some more breaks, to steal four or five minutes here for Kevin Durant to be on the bench. So his minute allotment, is all over the place. It's not like I can say he just simply abuses the guys. He does a lot of times, but then you've got an example like tonight where 
hey, can you put your foot on the gas just a little bit? It's odd. It, it's almost like sometimes with his coaching, it feels like a fan is coaching the team and it's a video mm-hmm. game. And you're not really thinking about the long haul. You're not thinking about the rest of the game. Or you're not thinking about what you just said, which is it's a 72-game season by how much he'll push a guy like Durant and Irving to play the entire first quarter and then play the entire third quarter. It just, there's so much of this makes different. no sense. Yeah, it's different. And, and I, there's something that I've noticed from this NBA season. And now that I've we've done 26 games or whatever it is, this is the most roller coaster Nets team I've ever watched. I mean, it's it, the highs are so high and the lows are just pitiful, annoying losses like going in, getting wins versus the Clippers, beating the Bucks when you've got when, when you've got the James Harden trade, rebounding and defending and doing a great job versus Utah getting a win, coming back in the second half and defeating the Nuggets. Great win. And then you have these losses that just gnaw at you. This one, I understand. They're probably going to lose this game. But that Raptor game was just so annoying. And the other bad losses that have been accumulated. Oh, the Washington games. Both Washington, Washington games. games. Yeah. I mean, they're 0-6. I mean, Memphis has is, is played well. But Memphis, Cleveland, and Washington, they're 0-6. You know, it's like, oh, my God. So it's just like, at some moments, you look at this team and you go, this team can win a championship. I see it. I get it. And then you go to the other end of the spectrum and you're like, are they going to have a hard time defeating Indiana in a in a best of seven in the second round? Are they going to have a hard time defeating? Are they going to? Is it going to take six or seven games in the first round? And it's just the the up and down emotion of this squad has me so confused, so scared, so excited. I've never had so many emotions for one team that I like. Usually, it's like you kind of know, and I and I guess I guess I know once we get there, we'll all turn it on, we'll all get together, and it won't matter, and we won't be thinking about this game versus Philly and against Toronto where Norman Powell looks like he's freaking Steph Curry and doesn't miss shots. Like, I just hope it all comes together. But man, the up and down nature of this season is driving me crazy. A a part of the up and down nature is the fact that you've got these three superstars and you can't get them to play every single day. The COVID protocol situation with Kevin Durant on Friday night against the Raptors Irving now with what appears to be a minor injury, but Harden missed a game last week. It's just, I think the frustrating thing is, and I understand the maintenance day aspect of it. I actually have no problem with, you know, not pushing the guys too much, especially if Steve Nash is going to play guys 39, 40, 41 minutes. But that's the other thing that, you know, we are now staring at a week coming up Mm. in which Kevin Durant's not going to play. And look, we could sit here and talk about NBA protocols all day. What happened on Friday night made absolutely no sense. All right. It was embarrassing for the league. The fact they continued the game after Kevin Durant was allowed to play, (laughs) but then he's got to isolate after Pascal Siakam and KD are sweating all over each other. Doesn't make any sense. But put that aside, we aren't getting a chance to see these three guys gel. Now, the one positive that I would take out of a game like tonight is for them to win an NBA championship, other guys are going to have to step up. And Landry Shamit played well against his former team. That's a positive because for the most part, Landry Shamit has sucked. So getting these guys minutes, getting these guys confidence, you know, Shamit's confidence certainly had to be lifted with the way he's played recently, specifically this game against Philadelphia. That's a positive. But I think a part of the frustration you're talking about is the start and stop nature Mm. to this roster that you're not getting them 
just on an everyday consistent basis. We're going to have to wait at least a week until we see their best player, the glue of this team, get to play again. And to defend Steve Nash a little bit on this front, this team has had so many different identities, so many different stop and go you know, moments. The team that started the season, Spencer Dinwiddie, hurt for the year. Kevin Durant then out for a week. Then they make this trade to get James Harden. There's been so many moving pieces that we haven't had a real feel for who the Brooklyn Nets are. Every week, it's a different team. Now they're adding pieces. They've had a couple of free agents. They've signed some guys. It just keeps changing. So I do understand and recognize that this team is not where it's going to be when it ends the year. So I do want to give Nash a little bit of a pass on that front. That can't be easy to manage, knowing that you you know one week it's this guy, the next week it's that guy. And now Durant's out for the week. So this will be kind of curious to see what it looks like when you put Kyrie Irving, who knocked on woods back Tuesday from the injury, and James Harden together and see what that looks like and see what that chemistry can be. And maybe, you know, uh, this is a, you know, a positive viewpoint is, okay, for them to win a championship, Kyrie and, and Harden need to develop a core chemistry that's deeper because they don't have it and haven't played together yet. So maybe with Durant out, these two guys can gel. These two guys can get together and help lead this team to a couple of victories in the next week without, you know, Durant. And that's right. my, you know, my, my rosy view of this. And that's the way I'll approach this because, and it just sucks. It's like, it's fun watching Kevin Durant play basketball. Oh, he's we're, awesome. We're taken away for, 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 you know, seven days. I don't mean, know how many games that is. Look, KD has been awesome. You want to cherish every time you see him on the floor, what he brings to this team defensively, what he brings from a leadership standpoint. I'm leaving out the obvious, which is that he's one of the most gifted offensive players we've ever seen. I, I did like, I know he fouled out. You know, yes. in the 17 or 18 minutes he played, My but guy. Norvell Pell, I mean, well. well, he also supplies something that they so desperately need. He is that rim protect. I don't want to say he's that rim protector. I'll say he's a rim protector. And mm. we've missed watching Jared Allen swat shots away. And Pell had like three blocks in this game. He's got absolutely no offensive game. Okay, let's just. Get that out of the way, and that's okay. I mean, that's all right. Look, as long as he can catch lobs from James Harden, which eventually that will be a combination if Pell gets to play, that's his only offensive game he needs. But he gave them something that we don't normally see. He gave them a presence on the glass, which was nice. I think he had three offensive rebounds. He blocked a bunch of shots. I know he committed a, a bunch of just ridiculous fouls to be expected. First 10 seconds or whatever. I think he had two in his first minute, but what, whatever. That's fine. He fouled out of this game. Uh, I'm not going to put the guy in the Hall of Fame. I'm just going to say we saw something from Norvell Pell, and that's nice moving forward. So I would hope that as the games continue, we get to see a little bit more of Norvell Pell before they eventually bring in whatever real big they bring in, the dream being Andre Drummond. Yeah, no, he looked good. He had the three blocks. He did have a couple of bad offensive fouls early in that 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 uh, uh, when he came into the game, he referenced the uh, the two quick fouls. But I like what I saw from him. He had some block shots. Uh, he was aggressive. And you're right. He is everything that they lack, that they don't have, just a big body. And I do think DeAndre Jordan, and maybe this was the Raptor game. They've all blended together at this point. But I think DeAndre Jordan had a block. And I thought to myself, is this the first block from a big since Jared Allen? I mean, there's been like <laughs> no block shots. And I saw that and it did cross my mind. And the 
the evolution of DeAndre Jordan this season has been so strange from like starting over Jared Allen, which clearly was a disaster and a mistake to then coming off the bench to then being a, to being a backup to not, or not playing in the fourth quarter to being a backup to then having kind of good chemistry with James Harden on these lob passes. Some lob passes are too high. Some he can't get. I mean, DeAndre Jordan, I'm, I, I, you know what frustrates me about him, Evan, is there's times where, and you referenced this earlier in the episode here on the podcast, there's times where it looks like he's just not trying, throwing bad turnovers, getting a rebound, thr- turning the ball back over, and it's like, come on, focus. He has been, the, the, he's been frustrating. The center position's been frustrating, and I just keep counting the days until they can get somebody inside. I mean, you just you you hit on it, but if Deon, if uh, Andre Drummond's there and he can just get the gobble up rebounds think about how many games these offensive rebounds the raptor game sticks out more than anything but it's like you know uh offensive rebound norman powell three offensive rebound kyle lowry three it's like all painful those are games if you have somebody in there that can just control the glass that's a five or six point swing and those are wins that's the killer man that's the killer so this loss to Philadelphia was the first time we got to experience James Harden and no one else. I actually broke this down. I broke down the Nets record when it's the big three, when it's Katie Kyrie, the original plan, when it's Katie Harden, when it's Kyrie Harden, when it's just Kyrie, when it's just Katie, when it's just Harden and when it's nobody. All right. Let's hear it. So what I'll do is, I'll tell you the amount of games they've played, and then you tell me what you think their record is in this those is situations. Really fun. This is such a geek net thing, and I'm into it. Let's go. <laughs> there you go. Right, let's start off with nobody. They have played three games with none of the big three. How do you think they've fared? Well, they I know they had the win versus Philly. That's right. I remember that one. That's so, right. Then I'm going to say the other three. I'll split the other two, so two and one. No, one and two. You're right about the Philly game, but both Memphis Grizzlies losses. Ah, the Memphis games, yep. Both of them were without anybody. So they're one and two with nobody. James Harden's easy. They're now 0-1. Just Kevin Durant, they have played three games. Well, I know the Nick one. That one stands out right away. That was a W. And then I'll just take a guess again. I'll split. So I'll go two and one. You are exactly right. They had that great comeback against Denver. That was just a a KD game. And then the disastrous game against the Thunder, which was actually Durant's first game back from his first protocol violation. So two and one, which is KD. Kyrie Irving as the sole guy, basically what we saw the first part of last year, one game where just Kyrie was there. What was the one game with just Kyrie? It was a good win. Oh, I guess I gave it away. That I'm going to go one and oh. Yes. No, no, no. I, I won't bore everybody and try to think about it. But if I probably just wrap my brain around it, I could figure it out. But what is it? It was the Utah fine. game. It was the win against the Utah Jazz. And that was the only game. And they won. Mm, uh, yep. Kyrie and James Harden. They only had one game just of Kyrie the and Cle- James the Harden. Cleveland loss. Correct. That was the second game of the Cleveland series. And it was the yeah. first of a back to back, which. I appreciate it because the next day, the second of the back-to-back was the one Nets game I've been to in the last year. I was able to go there as a media member, so I was happy for that. KD and James Harden. Two games where it was just KD and James Harden. 2-0. and 
That's right. The Orlando game, which was the debut. Yep. And the great win against the Milwaukee Bucks, 2-0. Yeah. And then they look great together in those two games. That was like instant. Oh, instant yeah. Chemistry. Yeah, and at that point, we didn't know if Kyrie Irving was ever coming back. That was the worry. <laughs> All well, right. Like, that's the thing. I didn't even mention this earlier, but like the roller coaster season, there was Kyrie Irving disappearing. <laughs> I'm afraid to say Kyrie Irving disappearing the first time. I feel like it's going to happen again at some point. When when it was announced, and I was on the air doing my Saturday show, when it was announced that Kyrie was out with a finger injury, I yeah. laid it out. I said, either he really has a finger injury or he's just disappeared. The Nets are going to yeah. go with the whole finger injury thing. Now, nah, his second disappearance will be around the All-Star break. <laughs> All right, they have played seven games now with the wow. big three. Seven games. Now, in fairness, one of them was the Toronto game on Friday night, and You're I don't right. even know if I would count it because of the oddity of the Durant situation. Sure. So, I mean, it's up to you. Do you want to count that as a part of the big three era? Count it. All right. Then they've played seven games. What's their record? Uh, seven games. That's a loss. So it'd be four and three, five and two, five hmm. and two. They lost that first Cleveland game, but they won both games against Miami, beat Atlanta, got revenge against the Thunder and the win against the Clippers, which was a, a great win, I guess, last week or earlier this week, whoever you wanted to find it. Right. So they're five and two. Now, this is my favorite one, because for a year and a half, we assumed it was KD and Kyrie. Like we didn't think about James Harden. That was not a no. factor in our mind. In late June of 2019, when these two superstars decided to play with the Nets, seven games of KD and Kyrie, what's their record? Well, if, it's, if I was keeping track, I could figure out and, and by, you know, the math, figure out what their record was. But I, I feel like it's not going to be good based on what we did. How many? You said seven, seven, three and four, three and four. You nailed it. You nailed yeah. it. And I was just going based off how it felt like we were on the higher win percentage on the other team. <laughs> So the top of my head, watching this team all the time, it felt like three and four. Yeah, well, and remember, they started two and oh, because opening night against the Warriors, right, right, the second right. game against the Celtics, the loss against the Hornets, the win against Atlanta, the loss against Atlanta, and the two losses against Washington. Both occurred with just KD and Kyrie. Look, none of what I just said, it's fun, it's geeky. It means nothing. <laughs> Let's be honest. Not, none of it means anything, because the whole point is, the plan is, it's the big three. Right. And yeah, there'll be some maintenance days mixed in. Uh, you know, I guess there'll be COVID protocols day mixed in. I can't believe it's happened again to Kevin Durant. By <laughs> the way, the Friday night thing with the Raptors, yeah. how surreal was watching that thing unfold? That was weird, too, because, you know, when he walked off the second time after they were they 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 got the challenge they won the challenge they got the five fouls the four fouls and then he's walking off to the bathroom i looked at my wife and i said he's got to go to the bathroom like why would he be leaving he's got to go to the bath it didn't even occur to me evan that the that they would have made a switch with everything covid that he had to leave i legit thought he had to go to the bathroom i, I didn't think it was anything else I was like, they, and, and and it's funny too. My first thought, I was like, Steve Nash gets it. He has four fouls. Don't put him in the game. We don't want to go to five. He learned his lesson. I thought Steve Nash <laughs> understood because 
that would have been his fifth foul, which would have been a disaster. Let alone, this was way worse. But I thought it would, oh, that's five fouls. Okay, it's four. You'll learn your lesson. I think there was like three minutes left in the third quarter, maybe more. I don't know. That he said, yeah, four fouls. Let's save those fouls for the fourth quarter. Give KD rest. Nope. Kicked out of the game. The rest is history. Yeah, that the whole thing was surreal because I got a phone call while I was driving home because I DVR all these games. I would get home too late and I don't want to miss anything. And I got a call from uh, my producer, Tommy Lugau, who said, yeah, KD's in protocols, but he's they're listing it as he's unable to start the game. Right. And I'm like, right. he's unable to start the game. He's in protocols, but he's Weird. unable to start the game. And then obviously I sit down, I watch the game. I hear what they're describing. And then when he shows up, it's, you know, it's Willis Reed for us. It's damn exciting. <laughs> his first game off the bench. I know. First game in his career off in the college, bench. too. I know. It's insane. And in the back of my mind, because of how wacky everything is and how, let's face it, the NBA, just like businesses, just like everybody in this country, we're sort of making it up as we go along. Let's be honest about it. We are. I mean, think about how this has gone for the last year. We've been making it up as we go along. We don't know what really is going to prevent spreading the virus. We we think right. we do. We try to be careful, but we don't know for sure. Like, what's a close contact? I mean, right. Kevin Durant's a close contact. Then he goes, plays 20 minutes. That's not a close contact with everybody else. So I get so in the back of my mind, I said to myself, this isn't over yet. But I wasn't expecting him to come out of the game. And when he disappeared, because remember, it was right after the Nash challenge. Because Durant was, yeah, he was called for his fifth foul. Nash challenged it. It was overturned. And then Kevin was gone. I didn't think bathroom. I thought injury because he was in the locker room. And that's what Ryan Rucco and Sarah Kustak even said. Oh, he's in the locker room. So I'm like, damn, I hope this is a minor injury. And then when they show the video replay of a net employee telling him, basically, you got to go back and he throws his water bottle and then he's tweeting, tweeting me. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah. And the tweeting thing was surreal. Free me. You know, something else that he had like 15, 20 minutes later, this game is going on. And and it got me thinking, Okay. This sucks. It's Toronto. It's a Friday night. I want to get the win. I want to try to uh, improve our record. Winning feels good. But I was like, what the hell happens when this is in the playoffs? Well, I mean, you you can't lose Kevin Durant for two games. No, I I mean, it's just scary on that front. And this time it's just this is just part of the new era of basketball or sports in this moment where this kind of stuff happens and the NBA just has to cover their ass. That's what it's all about. It's covering their ass because right. They don't know. Nobody knows. I mean, Kevin Durant, he was one of the first people of celebrity note that had COVID. Yeah. He had it already. So I'm sure for him and his frustration level, and he wouldn't say this publicly, but he's going to the team. Like I had this thing. I don't, I don't, I, and I still have to go through this. This sucks. And yeah. I, 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 the frustrations there. Oh, no doubt. And I think he's still testing positive for the antibodies. So he can't even get the virus. And yet he's going to go through these protocols for a week. So it means the Tuesday game in Detroit, no Kevin Durant. And by the way, the Tuesday game in Detroit, they better win that game. I don't give a damn who's playing. You're playing a lousy Detroit Pistons. That better be a win. The Wednesday game is the tricky one. The feisty Indiana Pacers at home. And what makes these two games 
look, I, I know I don't want to throw around the word significant because I understand they're going to go to the playoffs. It's all about the playoffs anyway. But they do have a very long road trip coming up after mm-hmm. they play Indiana, which starts off, I guess, with the Kevin Durant return game, which is in Golden State or in San Francisco against yeah. the Warriors on national TV. So I'm sure the NBA will make sure that he's cleared out of the protocols in time for Saturday night against the Golden State Warriors. Oh, you better believe he's going to be there. I mean, there's going to be the, you know, the fan thing makes that not nearly as fun as it should be. Although I would think that those fans would respect and help be thankful for what he did because he was simply brilliant and helped it lead them to a couple of championships. Maybe more if he didn't get hurt, but you're right. I mean, he'll be there for that game. And it's just, it's just disappointing because I, before the season started, I was okay with the fact that he's going to have maintenance days. He's going to have rest days. This is Kevin Durant coming off this injury, this Achilles injury. Of course he is. But the fact that he's missing all these games based on this has been completely and utterly frustrating. And then also bringing back earlier when we're talking about the minutes thing, uh, he's playing this many minutes a game. He's leading the league in minutes or whatever it is. But then when you look at like where he is in total minutes, I think he was like 60th and now he's going to drop even further. If he's going to miss a couple of games, it's when he plays it's nonstop action on the court, but he's missing all of these games. So his total minutes isn't where it should be as a, as a whole because of all these bizarre factors that have come into this season, which has just been wild for Kevin Durant. And by the way, if we're going to assume that the nets were going to continue to be very careful about back-to-back nights, This, the Friday game against Toronto, which he missed half of, the Saturday game against Philly, back-to-back. So maybe he was going to miss one of them. Coming up this week, Tuesday in Detroit, Wednesday at home against Indiana, back-to-back. He may have missed one of those games. So if you really want to make yourself feel better, he was going to miss a few of these games anyway. And I'm really curious because they play a lot in a short period of time coming up on this West Coast trip. It starts off on a Saturday night in San Francisco. Then they go back-to-back Monday in Sacramento, Tuesday in Phoenix. Thursday is the big game, the game I think we're most excited about because it's the L.A. Lakers. So they've got some more back-to-back opportunities, but because he had missed a week, I assume they'll say, F it. We just want him to get out there and get some minutes in because, like I've always said, and we talked about at the beginning, it's important for these guys to develop chemistry and not just the big three, but to win an NBA championship, it can't just be three guys. It's going to have to be eight or nine guys. So even just developing chemistry with some of his other teammates, because he's not a longtime teammate of Timothy Loabo Cabarrot. You know, he may be buddies with DeAndre Jordan. He's not a longtime teammate of DeAndre Jordan. He's not a longtime teammate of a lot of these guys. So uh, the experience of playing together, not just the stars, continues to be really important. I think that's where a lot of the frustration is for me and you. Yeah, we want to see wins. I mean, we've been waiting for a year like this for a long time. And ideally, we wanted to see them go 16 and 12. I mean, that was that was the fantasy. And I still get annoyed, you know, after every single loss. But more than that, it's really about these guys playing together. And think about the early season um, criticism of the Nets. Oh, you can't you're resting these guys you're resting Durant this season has been so freaky and weird because of COVID protocols there isn't even room to criticize not that you and I believe it we're okay with giving him rest because we know the big picture and we know the injury he's coming off of 
but there hasn't even been a conversation about the Nets are giving Kevin Durant a maintenance rest day because he's always in COVID protocol that it doesn't even matter. It's not even there. It doesn't even make a difference because he's now going to be out for a couple of games. And the, the, the point you laid out about this would have been a back-to-back. This would have been a back-to-back. We can't even have that conversation because the league and the protocol and the craziness in the world is doing it for us. And I hope that chemistry is learned and I hope these guys all come together. And I just want to give a shout out to, to Joe Harris because whoever he plays with, whoever is out there, he seems to find a way to adapt and play well and hit shots and hit threes. And even tonight hit some mid-range jumpers. Uh, so Joe continues to play with whoever is out there with him. So just shout out to Joe Harris. Well, this should make you this should make you feel good. I drove past Barclays Center the other day simply because I was taking my four-year-old to watch trains. So we go and just drive to random places and we look at subways. So we're driving past the Barclays Center and they had four jerseys that they were promoting for sale. Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, James Harden, and Joe Harris. So (laughs) you got to love that. Even to add on to that, when they're doing now their all-star promotion, like vote for the all-stars, it's four guys. It's the three, and then it's Joe Harris. He's been lumped in as the fourth guy. Vote Joe into the all-star game, which might be a stretch. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But I, I love you, Joe. It's all right. So we will try on a weekly basis. We will. Forget try. We will post uh, for the Evan Brooklyn basketball podcast on Sunday nights, and we'll mix in some instant reactions when deemed necessary. So if you want to subscribe to hear this, subscribe at Evans Brooklyn Basketball Podcast wherever you get your podcast. And the Evan Roberts Podcast will have all sorts of other crap, essentially. Basaglia, thank you. Of course, you can follow Mike at what the hell's your Twitter account again? Mike Delivers Pod. That's it. There you go. Beautiful. Thanks for listening to the I guess technically first edition of the Brooklyn basketball podcast.